You're listening to Season 2 of the Hypotheticals Podcast. I'm Adriano. And I'm Andy. And this episode is brought to you by the Smallpox Appreciation Society, who would like to remind everyone that Edward Jenner is a dirty, no-good spoil sport, and we shouldn't listen to a word he says. Andy, I've been wondering recently, what single invention, if you were just to remove it from the timeline, would have the funniest effect on our modern lives. The funniest effect. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Because I'm I'll be honest, <laughs> my the thought that brought this to mind was that true hallmark of civilization, the flushing toilet. I just I like the idea of the the water closet or whatever never having been invented, but everything else progressing to the modern era completely unchanged with the the crucial limitation on indoor plumbing. So you can be a billionaire staying in a penthouse suite of one of these 12-star hotels in Dubai. They've got a replica of Niagara Falls in your shower. You have to take (laughs) the elevator down 30 floors to walk out into the back garden where they've got a row of very tasteful Shrek-style privies. (laughs) Just, you know, like really a fantastic workmanship on these sheds. Lovely little moon, crescent moon carved in the door. uh, And then it's fundamentally a hole in the ground. So so they've worked out showers, but they, they haven't figured out, hang on a second, yes. maybe we could use this shower to flush our waste down a pipe. <laughs> no, there's no way. I'm sorry, Jim. It's ridiculous. We'd get stuck. I mean, look, look at the plug hole. It's just, no, unhygienic. Well, maybe, maybe they just think, yeah, it's disgusting. Like, yeah. you want to take a poo in a shower? That's In your that's house? Nice. Yeah. No, we won't stand for it. But yeah, it's, I like the idea that it's just, um, it, it's, it is the wooden shack concept. They haven't even bothered to... To do it really nicely. Oh, I see. Like 12-star hotel, but just a really rickety, giraffe Oh, terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a long drop at a festival. <laughs> like, you go in and the stench is overwhelming. <laughs> like, like on day three. Yeah. It's just, it's the great leveller, you know? Like, however wealthy you are, you still have to use one of these shacks. It's one of the big problems with, um, if this scenario were true, that... Uh, have you heard of the things of people who drop their phones in these big chemical toilets and then... Oh like, no! Dive in after them to get no. them. But the Do problem they? is, I mean, not many people, but some people are stupid enough. So, or like they lean in to get it and they oh, fall in. No. But the thing is, once you're in there, the the decomposing sewage has a thick layer of like uh, CO two and other gases, so y- you suffocate. Um, so other people who then go in to save the oh, people that have fallen God. in also suffocate. So it's it's just. Um, it's not a good system. <laughs> is this a real thing that has happened? Are you telling me people have died in these septic tanks? I'm pretty sure it is. It, it could be. I mean, it could be an urban myth, but I'm, I'm pretty. I'm be. pretty confident that it has happened. Oh my god! I want that to be like an alligators in the, uh, you know, coming up out of the sewers type <laughs> myth because that is just such a horrendous image. Alligators What's... coming up out of the chemical toilet. Yeah. Yeah, that's the next level. They've evolved. <laughs> like, they can live within that toxic uh, environment now. They're too powerful. You can't stop them. Yeah, that's where the Ninja Turtles came from, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Glastonbury. Glastonbury toilets. They were just, just slick with that blue liquid and just <laughs> reeking. But why? where are these porta that are large enough for a grown person to fall in? Well, the thing is, at festivals, instead of, like, a single porta you've got basically a giant cabin, like, on stilts almost. And it, it's essentially a massive uh, row of bench toilets, which drop down into a massive tank. Oh! So see, you could theoretically fall in. 
I gotcha. Woof. Okay. Let's talk about something else. What other inventions besides the toilet? Well, I thought of wheels. Um, oh, strong. Because, and this is, you know, everything else is exactly, well, as close as it can be to exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, so either people have to ride horseback everywhere yeah. or or other, other less convenient inventions have to compensate. You're going to have to Flintstone it, ultimately. Yeah, so, but you could actually just have hovercrafts everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, you'd need very smooth surfaces. You could also Mouse have, like, um, sledges and very, you know, hyper-slick roads. A bit mm-hmm. like ice sledges, but it's just really smooth um, glass. So that's how you have to get everything around. That is such a badass sort of sci-fi setting. You know, one of these like sci-fis that get weird and cyclical and it turns into like fantasy, but in, you know, like um, like in Dune where they're like, yeah, we got to the laser gun stage or whatever. We got all Star Wars-y, but then we developed personal shields that deflect anything that moves too fast. So now people use swords again. Right. Yeah. It would be like, you know, everyone's riding around in like Roman style chariots. But without wheels <laughs> on a hovercraft. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Hover yeah, on your, on your hover chariot, yeah. Or, but another idea I had is that they almost got all the way there. They they thought, right, yeah, we've got wheels, but they just make them hexagons. Um, <laughs> yes, they, they didn't <laughs> quite reach ride. the circle. <laughs> and when they start, they start like wearing out and rounding down, and they're like, oh, this one's <laughs> getting old. Better replace it. <laughs> ah, yeah, that can't beat that new wheel feeling. Boom, yeah, boom, the, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the ride on my uh, on my chariot is far too smooth. <laughs> <laughs> there's no grip like where's the come on yeah like the police pull you over and like they they measure um uh like your tire depth to mm-hmm. check that you've got enough grip in this It'd case like easier. i'm sorry the angle on your on your wheel is too shallow <laughs> yeah they just bring up protractor like this isn't good this producer no 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 <laughs> <laughs> and there'd be people who are like i'm not gonna pay for new wheels i'm just gonna they just got like a chisel they're just mm-hmm. putting new angles on there but the thing is, you could make roads which were which fitted the shape of these wheels. Oh, you, if you could see what I mean? Be. So there's lots of these ruts, so that actually it does fit and kind of roll smoothly. That would so be if amazing. You d- if you did invent circular wheels, everyone would be like, why have you invented a circular wheel? All of our roads are hella bumpy. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Really uncomfortable. Yeah, it's going to be shattered as well, because it's all... Um, I'm picturing like that brick pattern you get when you lay them in a kind of zigzag. Yeah, yeah. Um, except sort of like flipped 90 degrees, so it's going up and down. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that'd be sharp. Like you roll a round wheel, you better hope it's made of a sturdy material or a really bouncy material. But presumably if these guys have got hexagonal wheels or like star-shaped wheels, then they're not made of rubber. Yeah, I guess not. I'm picturing like a, just a big old wooden block or like a Yeah, rock. yeah. Yeah, stone. <laughs> yeah. It's really efficient. Have you seen bicycles um, from before the invention of tires? <laughs> Andy, it's incredible. Two <laughs> wheels, one in front. No, um, before they invented rubber tires, um, one proposed idea was, uh, or maybe it was, no, 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 sorry. It wasn't, I think it was, um, they were running low on rubber because of wartime or something. Mm-hmm. It was like during World War One or something. And uh, I think I, I, for some reason, it's Parisian in my mind. This happened in Paris and it doesn't okay. connect in any way to the story. But I'm picturing this this Parisian artisan and he's like, I will solve the problem. No rubber and no problem. <laughs> I cover the wheel. You will love this. I cover With the frogs. wheel in uh, <laughs> the softest frogs. Only the most elastic <laughs> of toads. No, in uh, metal springs. It's just springs all the oh, around. Wow. So it's just... Yeah, still a wheel, still a metal wheel with your spokes and everything, and then just springs That's all around. That's crazy. It. I think there was a wheel that was invented actually, though, for cars, where it doesn't have a tire. It's just um, 
sort of a mesh. So the, it, the, the thing which compresses is the plastic wheel itself compresses into the air gaps between it. Oh, okay. It's like a honeycomb structure or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that being very cool because then punctures aren't a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, spongy wheels. Come on, yeah. guys. But anyway, no wheels in this scenario. So one last idea I had for this uh, would be that every road is essentially um, a modern version of the Egyptian log rolling technique. That's um, what sprung to mind, yes. Yeah, so you've got these strange conveyor belts and cars have these flat bottoms. And I don't know, you have some sort of fan that blows you along these rollers. That's fun. See, I was picturing it more like river barges where you need a horse walking along the side uh, of the road, dragging you along. Yeah, I guess pace. that would make more sense if we just actually had barges everywhere. It might be cheaper on country roads and stuff, but you know, in you know, the heart of the capital where you need a, a solid amount of traffic getting through, that's where you've built in your sort of a your automatic log rolling mechanism. I like the idea that they've gotten as far as things that rotate in order to <laughs> provide motive force, um, but just not not the wheel. Like they've got clockwork, presumably, because if you remove the wheel, then like cogwheels aren't a thing. A lot of other inventions go out the window. But I like the idea they've gotten as far as pocket watches. They've got all these other wheels, everything, you know, turning, rotating. But they just, they're like, why would you, we've got the horse. Why would you ever need, I don't understand. This is stupid. Now, on the subject of uh, log rollers, though, Mm -hmm. and the ancient Egyptians, obviously horses, we're fine with horses, but they used slaves to build the pyramids, presumably. I, I don't think horses were involved. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, mostly slaves, I believe. Yeah, and slaves, you know, tremendously convenient, um, but in the modern day, uh, not something we go for. So there's a lot of inventions <laughs> where we've replaced the slave through automation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you take one of those out, I think things get quite funny. And the most obvious example I can think of is um, the electric fan. Because there is no more slave... I can, I think slave, and I think of two oh, well, as in, ancient Egyptian slave. Yeah, palm leaf waving. Precisely, right? They're doing two things. They're pulling those big stone blocks and getting whipped, yep. or they're waving those palm fronds. Right. So, okay. So you think that there would be p- people still, hopefully in the modern day, employed to do that? Yeah, you know, you'd progress from slave to servant to, like, you know, minimum wage worker. It would just be a manual job that just needs doing. If you're very wealthy, you can pay someone to follow you around. <laughs> and wave a palm front or whatever. Uh, but, you know, also your your business. They've got, like, their nice air-conditioned office. They've got wealthy clients coming into the conference room. Like, they're going to need six people standing in the corners. But, but, <laughs> but, presumably, but presumably, like, you also don't have air conditioning because that requires a fan. Exactly. So yeah. huge no other way. swathes of the world suddenly are becoming more uninhabitable, really. I'm thinking, like, the Middle East... They need their air conditioning in those massive office blocks and things. Unless you just employ half of your workforce is people <laughs> with palm leaves. Precisely. Because You've got to employ a person it. with a palm leaf to cool a group of your palm leaf uh, employees. You do, yeah. It, it does not scale well. No. <laughs> but it never stopped people back in the olden days. You know, like you say, like, oh, we need air conditioning to live in, you know, Saudi Arabia or whatever. But that's not true. People were living in the desert and they just figured it out with tents and, you know, wearing uh, like fabrics and again, palm leaf waving. <laughs> how, pre- how prevalent do you think palm leaf waving was? I, don't, I think it's probably more... Oh, extremely. I think the media makes it out to be a lot more prevalent <laughs> than it actually was. You think it's just photogenic? It just looks good on the cover of like a certain kind of book or whatever? Well, yeah, it's better than having, you know, a historic slave, I don't know, doing some mining in the corner 
or, or that's something. true it doesn't look as nice yeah they've all got black lung and stuff and also it's great for romance novels as well like i don't know how common it is to have a pool boy Do, does one need a pool boy if one has a pool i don't have a pool uh, so i don't know they, they live in them don't they they live in them and keep them clean they're like fairies <laughs> They're like nymphs. <laughs> they they eat the algae that would otherwise accumulate. They have a symbiotic relationship with your filtration system. Every pool, at least one boy. If you go there directly at noon, when the sun is highest in the sky, you'll find a pool boy there. And if you're very lucky, he will um uh transform you into a tree or something. <laughs> he will grant you one wish in exchange for your child's tears. <laughs> And then he disappears down the drain. <laughs> well, presumably cool. that's the same with people who wave um, big leaves at other people. I, I assume that they just kind of emerge. Anytime you've got a tent with a hookah in the middle of it and a load of, you know, lovely silk cushions and things, a minimum of two uh, sort of fan bearers will just arise. Yeah, don't they? Oh, yeah, they transform from uh, from trees, don't they? From <laughs> from palm trees. I guess they must do, yeah. They're a, a sort of a, a Middle Eastern dryad, perhaps. Yeah. Or is that just the method by which palm trees reproduce? They uh, <laughs> they bud off. <laughs> they, these, uh, they grow these. Yeah, they they grow these people who then go off and and for a time they will cool you before uh, seeding in the ground. See that I think other trees should take that example because they're quite smart in many ways. I mean, you've got your sycamores; they've got seeds that will. They've created these these crazy like flying gyrocoptery type things. But what do they use them for? To drift slightly further away from the sycamore tree than they would otherwise fall naturally. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Like the effect isn't that great. It's very impressive. You're like, wow, a seed with wings. What? But they're not exactly flying away. So you want an actual helicopter tree? I, yeah, I want helicopter seeds. I want, um, I want like rubber band sort of slingshotty type things. Better yet, I want a tree that has figured out like, okay, humanity is kind of a big deal these days. Um, they're <laughs> wiping out most of my species. It's a problem. I got to figure out a way to be useful to these guys. I want trees that, you know, they have figured out that like, okay, I'm liable to be turned into patio furniture. How do I turn that to my advantage? I'm going to start keeping my seeds inside my, uh, you know, my trunk and my branches. Yeah. Or you just grow fruit in the shape of patio furniture. Even better, obviously. Yeah, that's... uh... (laughs) It goes bad when they start to rot. It's not great. Uh... (laughs) Well, then the elephants eat the fermented patio tables and stuff and they get kind of drunk and they're all like swaying. It's hilarious. It's the perfect system. (laughs) Anyway. Moving on to another thing I was thinking of um, that is everywhere. What if we didn't have speakers? So let's say we figure out how to transmit and display video but sound mm-hmm. somehow eludes us. So, for oh, example, gosh. you're in an airport, but instead of the tannoy coming on, you have loads of people just shouting through those giant cones, you know, like <laughs> old school directors used to have. Old timey megaphones, yeah. Yeah, um, just to announce the arrivals. Um, just this cacophony as you enter the airport. Oh, uh, and you also don't have any telephone calls. So you've got like video only uh, calls kind of, uh, which essentially just consist of people writing things on boards or... It's like silent films really, isn't it? Yeah, because suddenly, obviously, every film is a silent film. Yep. But I do like the idea that the um, you've got this ultra HD images. It's it's perfect clarity like we have now. It's, mm-hmm. it's like you're there, 
but every now and then you still get those um those little uh frames which say oh no sally don't go over there <laughs> yeah you like... do all your emoting first and then you'd convey the dialogue through on, on black and white slightly jumpy a little bit grainy yeah and you've, you've got a, yeah you've got a piano guy in the cinema <laughs> playing for you <laughs> that's very good i like that a lot yeah because everything would be would be presumably informed by that cultural staple of the the silent movie so you'd have your your video conferences your zoom your that's very good it, what else uses speakers that well like live music for example um oh, yeah. normally you would have massive speakers so i think in this scenario it would still be huge because you can't listen to music you know just at home but the venues have to be really tiny um so that everyone has a chance of hearing and everyone in the audience has to be so quiet because otherwise they literally won't hear anything that's going on it's to hush up or sing along, but like, well, yeah, you got to contribute. I mean, one of the one of the severest impacts on society, I think, of this would be, uh, you know, the people who normally blare loud music from like their low slung Ford Focus. Mm-hmm. Instead, they just have a four piece band stuck on the back seat, just <laughs> <laughs> playing like umpa music as they drive along. <laughs> God, I would relish that though. I would love that. Obnoxiously loud, but <laughs> it's yeah. still crammed in. But I don't. Oh God, I can't imagine that being as bad though. It used to drive me nuts in London. I'd try and get away from the office on my lunch hour and go walk through a park or something. And to be fair, it never happened in a park, although they were crowded enough. But like on my way, I'd pass a guy on a bike or something wearing the modern equivalent of a boombox like yeah, around yeah. his neck just blaring music on his bike and it's like buddy is the city <laughs> not loud enough for you like what is going on that you think that's a good idea you're on an ecological mode of transport and you have still found a way to pollute <laughs> you have found a way to irritate you went out of your way it's just like headphones are a thing man yeah there was a guy in stratford upon avon even who would who would walk around with a with admittedly quite a small boombox, but just blaring music has all these bemused, like, Chinese tourists and old people walked past. Like, what are you doing? There's no audience. Like, at least in London, it's like, you could be signalling to someone else, like, who, who's on the same page as you, you know, who, so. who also enjoys doing this. But in Stratford-upon-Avon, that is the wrong demographic. <laughs> Everyone yeah, is over where 60. Is crowd? And it's a mess because... Like, if people are, if someone brings out a boombox and then starts breakdancing, suddenly that's a street performance, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're playing a one man band outfit, also street performance. Like, you might not like buskers, but like, you get what they're, they're doing a thing, they're producing something, it's creative, I get it. Yeah. But the act of wandering around just playing music that you happen to like, and I swear, I've never heard anyone blasting music that I liked. Oh, no. I, I well, can't never, imagine it's... that experience. <laughs> it's never Mozart, is it? No, and that's the only music that I like. <laughs> um, but I, don't, I can't imagine what it must be like to be like, ah, oh, yeah, banging those tunes, you know, like someone must like these fat beats that come out of these cars, presumably, otherwise yeah. they wouldn't blast them. But to me, it's always been an irritation. And there's just no, there's no redeeming feature. No, I, unless they are just, just, they don't even realize how deaf they are. They just think it's a normal volume. They haven't even realised. Yeah, they're like, is my radio on? (laughs) Why are people giving me weird looks? Hmm. Well, listen, on the subject of deafness, um, I just, I really like uh, ear trumpets. So Uh what if we'd never invented hearing aids and the ear trumpet is still the pinnacle (laughs) of technology? What if we'd never invented ear trumpets? (laughs) 
How can we survive without hand puppets? That would be terrible. No, but seriously, I just, I love that. I've no idea how common they actually were. Do they only show up in, like, some fiction to let you go, like, a crotchety old man hunched over his walking stick? Like, what's that there? Shut it in here. Talk directly into my trumpet there, boy. I'll yeah. give you a nickel. That's true. You never, you never hear any ear trumpet music, do you? <laughs> you never do but presumably that would be a great form of bullying the elderly would be stealing their ear trumpets and playing music out of them but they wouldn't be able to hear the music though so like it's only you know that's for your own amusement it's sort of ironic um bullying but because they can't actually hear you yeah uh, you're deaf <laughs> but so yeah if we mean. hadn't invented the hearing aid i mean it would just be quite sad wouldn't it i mean yeah it would suck like you remove that's all of history basically you can you can cut a slice through any point in time and be like, oh man, didn't it suck for the disabled before we had X? Yeah. Or like people with X illness or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that will continue to be true for as long as there is technological progress. But the ear trumpet for me was a particular peak. Um, just like there's all these like wacky old timey inventions where they were like, you know, things like I've solved the problem. Like, was your was your leg amputated after a cannonball strike? Well, <laughs> No longer will you have to wear that old-fashioned peg leg, my friend. You can wear an ear trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be something equally ridiculous, like, I created the world's first artificial legomatron. And it was just, you know, like a giant, like, yeah. huge steel-framed, just, like, so absurd no one would ever use it. History is rife with these things. They're still making them now. They come out on Kickstarter regularly. I mean, not prosthetic limbs necessarily, but you get some stuff on there that, you know, at the $200 level, we will send you one of these completely useless items that you will have lost interest in because you pledged 18 months ago. Yeah. I mean, what would the impact be, though, of, of having ear trumpets instead of hearing aids? To be honest, I think the thing is, like, hearing aids are quite subtle. Like, that's kind of the whole point of them, is that you, you're not really yeah. supposed to be able to immediately tell, which in some ways is a good thing, because um, people are less self-conscious. But in other ways, it's yeah. a bad thing, because you're not aware that people might be having difficulty hearing, like lots of conversations at once or, or that sort of thing. Yeah, because they're not perfect necessarily. Yeah. It turns a disability into an invisible disability. Yeah, so it, in some ways having an ear trumpet is, is there are obviously negatives, but some positives in that it's it's clear that someone, you need to make um, extra some allowances. allowances or, yeah, for someone. Yeah. It's like wearing the big black glasses and carrying a cane if you're, you know, maybe not entirely blind, but like sight impaired. It's like, okay, yeah. you're wearing the uniform. I get it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will t- attempt not to trip you up. That's what I normally do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my general policy, but I will relax it for you, sir. <laughs> just, just general for all people, <laughs> apart from yeah, the blind. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to level the playing field. Everyone else has it too easy. That's what I say. <laughs> I just, want, I want to see. You know, they do um like cinema screenings that are like for the hearing impaired. They've got uh-huh. like closed captioning or whatever. Or do they do special? I don't know how hearing aids work really. All I know is ear trumpets are funnier. I think hearing aids work because you, they basically, there's a frequency which you tune your hearing aid into and it picks up all the sound in a room and it sort of amplifies it into your ear, I think. Cool. I think that's how right. it works. And then some places are like, we've got a hearing aid loop or something. So you have to like tune it to a frequency and then it like, are these people receiving secret? I'm really showing my ignorance here. Any <laughs> listener with a hearing aid, please like tweet me or something because I'm so curious. But you know what I mean? Like there'll be, you know, the tourist office or the museum or whatever. They'll have a sign and they'll be like, we have a hearing aid loop. And I'm like, what does that mean? I what think, are yeah, you, that's just the what volume thing. That's just the increased volume. But what does that 
mean? Because like, if you're if you're receiving sound in a room anyway and having it amplified, what does it mean for a place to to have no, some system you, in you position? No, because you need the loop. I think is the idea. Oh, I I mean. That's, Are you telling me the room mm. is rigged with microphones? This is a stupid segment. This is a segment where you, <laughs> where, where, blind leading the blind or deaf leading the deaf, you yeah. attempt to explain to me an invention that I could simply Google. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that after the show. I will learn how well, hearing aids work. I do like the idea that everyone with a hearing aid, though, is a is a spy receiving information. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're doing that. You know, the thing where, like, you hold up your two fingers just to show that you're receiving secret messages about, you know, the eagle leaving the building or whatever. They wouldn't be able to do that either. They'd need a hearing uh, a trumpet and someone would need to yell into it. Speaking of spies, though, I mean, this is quite a loose tangent. Anyway, uh, gunpowder and explosives are things spies sometimes use. Um, <laughs> but what if we didn't have them? So you've Ooh. still got modern warfare um, with, you know, planes and helicopters and tanks but instead of guns or missiles, you've got swords and crossbows. Um, yep. Blow darts. So, so, like the HMS Belfast uh, battleship, you've got a treb like loads of trebuchets mounted on them with just yep. loads of rocks. You've big got, old siege crossbows. Yeah, you've got yeah, yeah, like Chinook helicopters as well. The big two-bladed helicopters. They just lift massive rocks um, and, and dump them. drop them. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you might, you, we might have, you know, we've obviously honed the art of uh, killing people with guns. We probably would have advanced further down the field of crossbows. So you might have like machine cross, cross, yeah, machine crossbows. Um, machine crossbow. <laughs> yeah, that's what they fire be... <laughs> many arrow very fast. <laughs> you got it. And yeah, fire hundreds a minute. Um, yeah, and you'd have like old-fashioned Roman kind of uh, ballista. You'd just mount mm -hmm. them on a plane, like, underslung. Really big. Yeah. God, that'd be so cool. And I think, I like you know, that. casualties would be a lot lower because you've got all of your... All of the advances in defence. So, like, mm -hmm. tanks and, you know, body armour and stuff. Special armour and stuff, yeah. But it'd be not real really any of the advances in offence. Which, like, in the First World it's War, true. one of the reasons it was so bloody is because we invented the machine gun, but we hadn't yes. invented um, a way to you know, properly defend against machine gun fire, like tanks, yeah. um, or at or least we didn't for a while, so that's why it was so bloody. Yeah, people were still trying cavalry charges and just getting mowed down, absolutely awful. Yeah. So you'd have this big gap, basically, in the arsenal between um, crossbows and then nukes, like explosives <laughs> that don't rely <laughs> on oh, so you anything think, flammable. Yeah. Right. Well, because there's no there's no gunpowder involved, right? As far as I'm aware, unless like the the charge that gets things started. I don't think I don't I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, I believe you could have like hydrogen bombs. Um, <laughs> I kind of assumed that we wouldn't have nukes, but maybe we would. <laughs> I just like the idea that it's like there's two options. The president sat there like, is this war serious enough? No, nah, all right, we're gonna have to stick with the bows and arrows, boys. <laughs> And the generals are like, well... <laughs> so we've lost four tanks to uh, dropped stones. And it's like, right, we're getting out the nukes. <laughs> we need bigger rocks. <laughs> yeah, I think you wouldn't get any more school shooters. Or, you know, they bring a, a crossbow or two. They'd get a couple of people. But you wouldn't get any more massacres the same way. Yeah. Uh, sort of casual gun crime. Like, it would be vastly reduced. So and I think, I th like, I think a crossbow is, is a lot less immediately lethal unless you're you're very lucky with your shot, I think. Is that... I guess it's got to be, right? There's less power and you can pull the bolt out. Well, you'd probably have awful ones that, like, you yeah, can Yeah, that's out. true. I, I think they can be pretty lethal, but you're right. It's got to be less bad than bullets. And certainly you can't, like, just, you know, chamber 
yeah. uh, a dozen in a handgun, it would be like, okay, one, and now I'm going to put another one in and crank it for a while. And Yeah. yeah the the thing is, instead of, of like, we might still have missiles, but there's no explosive payload. So all it is, is just, a, you know, you attach rockets to a massive lump of rock and literally just oh, launch yeah. it at, you know, a, 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 I don't know, would you still have castles? I don't know. <laughs> like, like, just at a building. I guess you might is the thing, because like, currently there's no point because explosives will get right through that stone. But yeah, you just, you just be like, we'll make the walls real thick and none of those, you know, nothing's getting through these. And they yeah. wouldn't. You just have things bouncing off. Uh, <laughs> another rocket. Stupid. <laughs> I like that. That's very good. Yeah, we can, you can probably make war a lot better by removing some some critical inventions and yeah gunpowder has got to be one of the major ones because cannons was like that was when it all started getting really quite just i mean was always been awful what am i talking about i mean you've only got to watch game of thrones or like any fantasy show that tries to you know make their battles like gritty and unpleasant I mean, they heap up corpses at one point as a as a deliberate tactic. It's not the best, but there's a particular horror to having um, a cannonball just like whip through a file of uh, infantry. It really mm. took things to a whole other level. Yeah, let's get rid of that. Well, look, speaking of things we'd be better off without, um, yeah. <laughs> how about written language? Oh, <laughs> what? just get rid of all writing, right? Hey, mm. We, and, we, but we've <laughs> we've somehow managed to become modern in all ways. Right. We kind of touched no on this writing. before when we were talking about apocalypse scenarios, I think, where everything would have to be sung. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Oral tradition. Yeah, and like or... making a Hyundai out of, um, you know, through, through sea, sh- sea shanties. <laughs> That's right. The tribes coming together. Well, I might allow iconography, sort of like simple okay. pictograms. But n- nothing that you can like easily transfer to a printing press or to a like a keyboard on a phone. Like, forget about it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe emojis. Maybe everything's just emojis now. Hmm. How would you? Get... <laughs> How would you? Surely that would evolve into a language, though. That becomes a written language in a sense. It would eventually, but I mean, the problem with any of these is like, okay, but the pressures of like necessity and evolution of other technologies yeah. and stuff. Like, you would always get gunpowder. Let's be honest, unless you were somehow in some parallel world where there was just no flammable things you could make gunpowder out of. You're gonna get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize written language might be like a little bit more crucial uh, to civilization. It's more along the lines of like fire. Um, but even so, I, I just really like the idea that maybe we just have a, an incredibly inefficient language because, mm-hmm. and you know, no slow on Asian cultures here, but they kind of drew the short straw when it comes to um, like what their alphabet turned out to be like because they went down the brush calligraphy route, whereas everyone else, I, I don't know, was it was it like yeah they chose brush calligraphy and everyone else was like no we need to be able to carve these into stone slabs so it needs to be easily chiselable. I, no I don't know idea. what made that distinction, right? But you end up in a world where one of their characters takes a lot of effort and practice and skill to draw, which makes them beautiful but incredibly inefficient. And so when you just need to make cheap keyboards to plug into your machines so that you can communicate much quicker, then they're in a mess. Yeah, and to the, the point where I think like Japan has had to, over the past however many decades invent a sort of simplified alphabet to so that people can actually type and function in, oh, in really? you know in, in modern society yeah 
I'm not surprised. And I, I gather, I could, maybe this isn't an all-the-time thing, but I've seen like software for Chinese characters or whatever, where you hit a character on your keyboard and then it presents you with a bunch of choices, like um, like predictive text, but all the time for every character. It's like, did you mean this variant? Jeez. This one, this one, this one? So yeah, because you can't, there's hundreds of the things. You can't put them all on one keyboard. So it's just, you know, orders of magnitude more complicated than just 26 characters. And even there, we've got some duds. The Italian alphabet has got 21 characters because you don't need an X. You just put a K and then an S. And you don't need a J, they make do with a G, etc. With this with this written language thing, I'm thinking of um we wouldn't obviously we wouldn't have authors anymore in in the traditional sense, or mm. rather we would have in the traditional sense because we'd have storytellers. So we'd still have these travelling, you know, bards who who roam around and tell people these things which they've literally just memorized over, you know, training with other bards and like through years and years of practice, just memorizing mm. things. And then you wouldn't really have much room to grow that uh, literary pool because it's so hard to get enough people to remember these things. It's true, you'd be stuck on the same mythology you've had for thousands and thousands of years and having a good memory would be really prized. Yeah, yeah. And everyone would need not like a page or a scribe. Um, they wouldn't even have the word page. Uh, <laughs> you'd have, uh, you just need someone to like help you remember stuff, like an assistant. Yeah, and maybe instead of... Obviously, you, you don't have social media because most... Well, you might just have pictures, but... To, it's just TikTok. Yeah, TikTok to actually tell people about yourself, you might just hire... Um, I guess it doesn't actually work because, no, social media would be fine because you would literally just record yourself speaking and then upload that and, and people would have to listen to it. You're fine provided computer coding doesn't count as a type of writing. Uh, oh. Mm, you know, that's when it gets tricky. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it must too because you have to type into your computer to make it do stuff. You do, but that's with modern computers. Back in the day, you were just punching holes in a piece of card, which you can loosely define as writing, I suppose. But you know, I'm going to relax those boundaries a little bit. So I'm thinking, yeah, everything is just incredibly inefficient. Anything you want to uh, write down has got to be like an elaborate series of pictograms. Anything you want a computer to do, you have to get in there and like physically alter this machinery. You've got yeah. to scratch things into a disk or make holes in paper or something. Well, I was thinking of computer screens. What if we didn't have computer screens? So this, this is quite closely linked. So we could still have these massively powerful computers, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of computers all joined together in these huge servers um, so they can complete, like, linear algebra, complex calculations, thousands per second. But instead of it appearing on a screen, you have to read um, a printout on some paper. Oh, like ticker tape. Yeah, so and you have to put in, like, the, the old-fashioned punch cards. So scrolling oh, down Facebook suddenly becomes a lot more labour-intensive and resource-intensive because it's basically you're printing a newspaper. <laughs> like, it's um, like a CVS receipt. You just, yeah. yeah, you're just rolling this thing onto the scroll, like, no, boring. Oh, God, no one cares about your baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, but you can't like it because it's on paper. You have to, like, make a note. You get your highlighter out and you're like, okay, yeah, good. When I get back to my computer, I will yeah. uh, <laughs> instruct it verbally to like this. Yeah, and, and that's if you can even instruct it verbally. Like, you you have to put in the right punch card to like Tom's post or whatever. I think that would really, it would bring us back in contact. You know, this whole issue where um, we have very short attention spans, we're just chasing, you know, the immediate gratification or the scrolling and the constant content. It would really slow things down. You'd have to mindfully think about what you're consuming because it just, you know, you're you're jumping through hoops to get to that. That, that TikTok video 
is now a series of frames <laughs> you printed gotta, out. Oh, you gotta like paper. Uh, flip book them. <laughs> yeah, you gotta fold them up and staple them and like, ah, now you can enjoy this this new viral dance craze, you know. But there's one viral dance craze because there isn't time for them to no. proliferate. And it's it's gonna be going on for years. <laughs> but you'd be so disappointed if you, you did that whole process and you got one and then you flipped through it and it was a really rubbish one. Like there's so much rubbish on the internet. Oh, and you yeah. just like, you spent days doing this. But would it up the quality, though, is the thing? Because all, all the memers, like, suddenly... Already, people will waste quite a lot of time in Photoshop making some quite awful memes. But the harder you make it, surely it's going to make people stop and think, like, oh, what I'm doing is garbage. That's true. Like, it would, be, it would it? be more of an art form, because also the upload process, you would have to... Uh, I mean, I don't even really understand how that would work. I guess you could still no scan clue. things in, but then you've got you've to get the image up onto the... Without being able to see it, it becomes virtually impossible to do anything. Yeah, it kind of does. Like, being able to see what computers are thinking is is quite, quite important. Well, I was just thinking, if um, if we've got... Uh, if we have blind people who, obviously, their experience of the internet is like this anyway, oh, they would become... Be like the, savants. Yeah, they'd be the gurus, because they yeah, would they have will. the audio description. Um, oh, God. So you'd rely on them to... Uh, you'd be <laughs> like, what? Come on, tell me what Tom's doing. I need to know. And that you've got like this queue of people out the door waiting to check yeah. to check their Facebook. <laughs> it will be you. the exact opposite of that app, Be My Eyes, where you sign up to help a blind person. Yeah, yeah. Blind people will be an incredibly rare commodity because, bless them, they're the only ones who will be used to navigating the internet, like uh, using the descriptions of alt text of images to interpret what's in them. Yeah. Using all the terrible speech-to-text converters that there have been over the years, just like... Whatever this machine is managing to interpret it as, they've actually managed to find a way to navigate technology. I can't imagine it. Yeah. Like, as glitchy as this stuff is, with a visible user interface, which is like 99 point whatever percent of your user base, imagine what they're having to put up with. Yeah, and I think, obviously, this is a skill that people could learn with time. But I don't think, you know, people with uh, fully sighted people probably wouldn't have the attention span. We're lazy, let's be honest. To actually do it, because you would you would have to either just sit with your eyes closed or just stare at something. Um, And yeah, I don't know. That would be truly remarkable. I think it's so funny to me that um, humans don't have screens. Like being (laughs) able to see, being able to see what a computer is thinking is so crucially important, right? The minute we're like, well, what if you take away the screen and now it has to tell you and we're like, oh God, that's so inefficient. Mm. But that's how people are. You don't know what's going on in that cranium. Until they tell you or like perform so like, with these four limbs, these like wretched appendages, they like, <laughs> gesticulate in some way that you can interpret with your gristle balls. Like it's so incredibly <laughs> inefficient. If people were like Teletubbies and had a screen, we could communicate so much more freely. We're living in a in a benighted age until that technology is invented. <laughs> the the hypotheticals people. episode five thousand will be like, imagine if we never invented like the screen hat. Imagine <laughs> screen. like how that would be crazy, right? Right? Imagine if we'd never invented the uh, the thought printout where you're, you're yeah. just, you know, constantly, it's it's inconveniently positioned above your eyes. So there's just this constant stream of paper just falling in front of you. <laughs> just tick, 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 tick. If people want to find out what you're thinking, they need like a team of people because there's so much data to get through. <laughs> They're just digging through these reams of paper like, what do you got? I've got page 157,000. Have you got 157,001? No, it's lost in here. It's no use. He's too smart. <laughs> it's killing the lie detector industry, though, is the problem. Oh. What would we do without lie detectors? Yeah, right. Probably much the same. <laughs> I imagine so. I gather they don't work so good.
No, I, I think right. it's quite a, yeah, a fallacy, anyway. <laughs> Look, the point is, written language, fine, keep it. But musical notation, what if we never came up with that? Because that's quite an elaborate system. Like, someone at some point would have figured out a way, yeah, I get it. But what if we just never had? What if we decided that music was too pure and there was just... You know, because we, we, we would consider it culturally, like, bizarre, laughable to come up with some way to codify... Uh, like the great paintings of the past masters. And, you know, no one wants to interpret a Van Gogh as like a text string. <laughs> I like a sort of, um, you just turn everything into paint by numbers. <laughs> like, yeah. You too can like, create your own Mona Lisa. <laughs> they'd be like, what are you doing? Like you're sullying it. The whole point is it's been arranged in this way by a great artist. And no, like I don't want to see your string of numbers that in some way corresponds. Like that's, a, yeah, but you see, I feed the string of numbers into this machine and I can print a million Mona Lisas, each identical. And it's like, no, you're making it worse. Well, that's what we've done with music. We're like, <laughs> I hear what you've done, like you incredible musical genius and i have turned it into these dots these artless friggin dots mm-hmm. and now anyone can do what you just did haha you know because it's that easy you just look at the dots and you just do it i know how music works so to slip in the uh, obligatory terry pratchett reference um isn't gotta... it the thing that the patrician he uh <laughs> yes. just reads music for fun and just instead of going to the opera or whatever yeah because he doesn't he he thinks it's like incredibly gross to have it sullied by spittle and horsehair <laughs> and animal bladders and things like ugh, no he wants it crisp and pure neatly lined up on the page just like it was in the mind of the composer so he takes the opposite view but yeah i guess he does but what's to stop people from um, I, I guess sullying it with their own bad versions of, you know, they would hear the song and work it out themselves how to play it. Um, yes, absolutely. But, you know, in a society where we decided that that was more okay, in the same way that, like, watching Da Vinci paint and, like, learning from him and, you know, doing bad copies of the Mona Lisa is all considered part of the artistic process, we've decided that copying other people's songs, recording them, whatever, that's fine. We just never figured out a way of writing it down. Actually, it, it, would, it would be quite interesting because you would... Whereas now we have songs which are locked uh, pretty much forever, um, unless there's a, an amazing remake of it, you know, a cover. But because we've locked it down in, in these, these, this tablature, then... Uh, but if you don't have that, the songs would constantly evolve over time, because as you yeah. naturally... More people learn the songs, um, then they would drift some, somewhat. Yeah, there'd be that cultural shift, like every bard would have a slightly different version and then gradually you'd have like areas where like, oh, we play like this over here and so on. And they'd all be taught like person to person, presumably, or I guess if you've got video and stuff. But would you ever, what I want to know is, would you ever have an orchestral composition? Because as a composer able, you know, like Beethoven or someone to like hear the whole orchestra playing in their head, incredible, but they can't write it down. So they need an amazing memory and then they need to go person to person (laughs) and be like, all right, let's have your violin number one. Okay, now here's, yep, 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 okay, very very, good. All right, now (laughs) you over there on the kettle drums, listen carefully. He's doing that. Yeah, it's coming up. And now, boom, boom, (laughs) boom. But yes, and then when he does, and now you wait, you wait. (laughs) He has to do this with every single person. Oh, you're right, because I was, I was literally just thinking of a person with a guitar in their spare room. But mm-hmm. yeah. These, That's easy these mode though, isn't complex, it? complex... Oh, I don't know how that would work. I'm... That would bring a whole new artistry to an already very complex thing. Yeah. Imagine. Just mastering one song would be an incredible feat. <laughs> you, oh, yeah. you, you could probably make an entire career out of one song. Uh, yeah, I, I, here's Wonderwall. And people would just be like, <laughs> Whoa, my God! <laughs> incredible! <laughs> They'd never get tired of it. 
Or you'd have... I, actually, I think what would happen is you'd have these orchestras, but instead of these very complex, um, very long, because a lot of classical music is very long, um, instead, you might still have the length, but you would instead have lots of repeated patterns. It would be a bit more like electro music, or... Oh, yeah. Um, you get bit, that beat going in, and it just goes. Yeah, or like R&B. So it's, a, it's more... It's not about listening to all the intricacies of the of the music. It's more about getting into that beat and that rhythm. So you, you just have yeah. these massive orchestras. I'd quite like to do this anyway. These massive orchestras, but doing sort of strange dance music. Right, just jamming. Just a long jam. Oh, yeah, jazz. Sort of free-form jazz, right? Yeah, that would come back in a big jazz way. Jazz is perfect for this. leave. It would never die. That'd be it. You'd get all these people who are good at playing their instruments and they'd just be like, look, we're playing you something. Okay. <laughs> it's just, no one's ever encoded it. No one's ever tried. Just here we go. It's like going to one of those restaurants where they don't show you the menu beforehand. But you just, you just like, you get what you're given. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. That would be it. I mean, to be fair, you don't necessarily like, I guess going to the opera, you get given the libretto, um, which I think is more about the plot and lyrics. I've never been to the opera. Wait, I've been to the opera and they didn't give us a libretto. What the hell? Anyway, <laughs> uh, but when you go to like a classical music concert, it's not like they're handing around the sheet music beforehand so you can like read through it and be like, ah, yes, no, I see, I see. Well, but I do like the idea of um, of an entire orchestra trying to do jazz because jazz is quite a lot about, you know, you have a small group and like, you kind of bounce yeah. off each other. Every... We've got Jimmy on bass, but it's like we've got Jimmy and Bob and Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the intro alone takes like... 40 minutes oh my god and when they pass it they pass it around you know they're yeah. like Amy take it <laughs> but this is every <laughs> single person needs to get their turn like Samantha over to you so, like right over the other side there's a hundred some people. of them are playing stupid instruments like it's just a guy on cymbals or someone on the triangle like she's a four minute solo yeah that'd be amazing orchestral jazz is that a thing I bet is that a thing I mean it probably is I think we should look it up afterwards yeah, I'm curious now. Yeah. My word. I'm going to take a bit of a left turn, uh, mm. and I'm going to talk about currency. I thought you were going to say, what if we'd never invented the left turn? <laughs> it would be all right. <laughs> anyway, but um... uh, That's the orchestrator <clears throat> again. Um, so, yep. so, so if we didn't invent currency, let's say now the only way to buy your iPhone or your Samsung Galaxy or whatever, a rep from Apple or Samsung comes to your house mm. And they evaluate the items that you're proposing in exchange. So if they're happy with your five tons of turnips, then they will draw up a, they'll draw up a contract for you and then they'll exchange. But, you know, this entire sort of when we used to just do, um, what's it called? Just, just, no, what, what's it, what's it actually it's called? It's barter economy. Bar- yeah, barter right? economy. Um, where we used to do that with very simple things where the difference in value was, was not necessarily that high. You know, you could trade mm. a chicken for, you know, uh, 10 kilograms of potatoes. But now... That- I think, yeah, there was a limit to the number of items, right? It's like you either want one of like six vegetables, two types of livestock, yeah. or we've got cloth and you're done. But you don't have a car which costs like four times your yearly income for example you know very true yeah you'd have gems and stuff i suppose would be the equivalent but you wouldn't have like a million different like models of ruby i guess you'd have rubies of different quality rubies really mess with everything but i guess the thing is gems kind of are they are currency at that stage sort of but then so you, let's wouldn't, remove you gems. wouldn't have enough gems i don't think it, it, it... to buy a car well no but like it for everyone to use them as as a currency oh that's a very good point yeah yeah, yeah i see what you mean yeah, because we came up with gold, and then we came up with, like, okay, this coin is going to represent gold. Because we don't have enough actual gold for virtual. everyone to have. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We definitely wouldn't have enough gems. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, thinking of banks, do they just become huge complexes full of safety deposit boxes and vaults where you have <laughs> to store your turnips, for example? or what... And you've got to keep a real close eye because they're going to go bad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, suddenly everything becomes a lot more... I think it might actually be good for the economy because you've got to trade it now while it's fresh. That's true, yeah. It keeps the money in so well. Not the money, but it keeps things in circulation, sort of generally. Imagine the insanity of trying to start a bank in the absence of currency. Because, as I understand <laughs> it, their whole thing is that, like, the sort of the, the easy movement of money means that you can be like, I'll get a bunch of money together from these people and then give it to these other people and they'll pay me for the privilege yeah. sort of thing. It's the the easy movement. So instead, you're like... All right, this guy's going to give me a bunch of turnips, and now I guess I got a load of rocks, and this guy's got slates, I don't know, some spices, and I'm going to invest, I guess. I like, yeah, like investment suddenly becomes, okay, listen, I'm going to give you a bunch of turnips <laughs> so that you can start your turnip farm. Yeah. And then when you're growing even more turnips, you're giving me more turnips back. But you've got to hope that turnips are still worth as much I mean, in however many years as they are now. This is uh, quite relevant now, actually, because um, I don't know if you know that Animal Cross uh, has recently come back but there, there's a whole thing where turnips represent the stock market so everyone is like buying you know thousands of turnips and just hoping <laughs> against hope that one day they'll be able to sell them for more before the turnips go bad so it's, it is almost exactly that scenario hang on no explain this to me please um do the so so <laughs> on, on, a, on a sunday you can buy yes um however many turnips you want and then for a set value. Okay. And then throughout the week, the uh, value of the turnips fluctuates and you want to sell the turnips for more money than you bought them for. But if you get to the next Sunday, then your turnips all rot and you can't sell them. To other players? Or no, to just, the... to, just to the shop. The kind of, you know. Oh, I see. It's like a, a stock market mini game. Yeah, yeah. Is selling your turnips. Okay. I was thinking it was one of these mad parallel economies that players of games invent, like the hats in Team Fortress or whatever. No, no, no. I was getting very excited. I was hoping people <laughs> were buying turnips up in vast quantities with real money, hoping against hope that they're able to sell them to someone before they go bad in game. That's <laughs> no, what I. That's not... what we need. Yeah. Andy, that's the next phase. Ephemeral uh, in-game cosmetics. We need things that, that rot over time. They don't just devalue <laughs> because they keep releasing new ones and no one cares about the old ones. They they degrade. Oh. Incre- we're going to make a million. We are. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> All the candy about? and Candy Crush gradually rots away. <laughs> You've got to buy yeah. more. Yeah, awful. Okay, anyway. Anyway, yes, currency. Oh, man, that would be huge. Well, the issue becomes, I think... Um, it becomes harder to be you have to be rich in a in a weird way you have to have a lot of physical stuff or you have to convert it into better stuff yeah you just have to have masses of of real estate i guess but then how do you buy a house like i guess you just have to work your way up from really tiny house like you know a shed and then because you've got to trade it plus some other stuff to get the, the slightly bigger house you can't just go from like the bank can't loan you a house Unless maybe, maybe the bank loans you a house and you have to pay 20 chickens a month to the bank <laughs> for for the next 40 years. Maybe. But see, even these loans and things, you're, you're creeping into currency territory. I recall um, a news story from years ago now. A guy who tra- he, he got into online trading. And I don't mean stocks, like literally swapping. Oh, items yeah. Items. I remember this guy. Yeah. You know about this? He traded a paperclip for a house. It took him a few steps. Was it even a house or was it something bigger? I, 
It was a house. I Maybe it was sure. a house, yeah. But he went through, like, it was crazy. He went to, like, there was a jet ski at one point. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it relied on one or two quite crazy leaps from, like, eccentric rich people, yeah. as you'd expect. And to be fair, it was a very large paperclip he started with. <laughs> it was like a novelty paperclip sort of paperweight. It wasn't just a standard It one. was 80 meters long. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> It was made of platinum. Um, But no, yeah, so quite impressive. So some of those things would happen, but I think the real issue you'd have is it would be much, much harder to be middle class. You'd have the the few wealthy people who owned all the land or whatever. Who owned all the paperclips. And then everyone else would just be a peasant. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, a paperclip would suddenly be a very valuable item because it's these disposable commodities that have just become commonplace and we don't even worry about them. You wouldn't have that stuff anymore because, I mean, who's funding the factories to build this stuff? You take currency away, the economy goes really weird yeah you can't get a business loan anymore and also i just thought about stamps you might have to get rid of them um with the currency because you could trade them as exactly currency. as pratchett taught us in going post yeah so instead yeah, you've got to currency. tape um a radish to your <laughs> to your letter <laughs> and send it you off just, in the yeah. post you got to bribe the postman with something you give him a snack when he comes by <laughs> and then he's like, yeah right. then you get a freshly baked pie at every house yeah God, they'd be huge, though. The problem is, the more you feed them, the worse they get at their job. And they all they all become Father Christmas, basically. <laughs> That's how the legend arose. <laughs> well, look, speaking of um, very difficult postal services, I was thinking, what if we never invented paper? Mm. So, um, and I don't want it to be as simple as like, oh, we'd still be using, you know, goat skin, parchment, or whatever. What if we just never gotten as far, you know, I want a printer that is very carefully etching into stone with like a diamond tip <laughs> chisel, you know? Yeah. I want that in the corner of the office, just doom, 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 doom. A very important stone tablets um, <laughs> to be carried into a meeting wrapped in like cloth or whatever. Your newspaper arrives like carved on a, on a menhir or whatever it was that Obelix was always delivering to people. Was it? There was nothing written on those, right? He was just delivering giant rocks to people. Was that ever explained? The, the meniers, is that what they're called? Um, yeah, or menhirs. I don't know. They were, it was spelled M-E-N-H-I-R. Yeah, I think they were just big old obelisks. I, I don't okay. think there was a use for them. I like that. Very abstract. I guess with the logic that like druids were making stone circles and things, so rocks must have had some utility. Yeah, I, I do like the thought. Yeah, how did Stonehenge get there? Oh yeah, Obelix just uh, just lifted a rock and just took just it there. Just job by. Yeah. The best part is he was always making deliveries. Like it was a full time job, more or less, outside adventuring. Yeah. So like they must just be accumulating. <laughs> Are they wearing out? <laughs> what is happening? They use them as writing implements, and they wear out really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just want a stub, so then you need a fresh one. Yeah, but yeah, if you had uh, if you had stone, what else could you do? Um, glass, maybe. Play tablets, but I, I, I think yeah, with modern technology, you could you could make really thin sheets of stone. You could, or I mean, you cheat and use sheets of plastic or something, I suppose. But probably without paper, you'd never gotten you'd never have gotten quite as advanced. I do like the idea that we're still stuck on stone for some reason. And the postal service, there we are. It would just be, you know, these huge, like, rocks. Oh, yeah, it's incredibly expensive to to send a a birthday stone. Buff, right? Hefting these things. That's why they need all those pies. Yeah, exactly, to fuel (laughs) them, because. This is this is a silly tangent, but um, you've never heard of a film, have you, called Olive the Other Reindeer? I, I haven't, no. <laughs> okay. And this was this is like a fever dream from my childhood. It was an animated Christmas movie that I don't think anyone else has ever heard of. Um, but it got, like, recorded in my household or something, so we had it. And it basically, the plot featured a dog who... <laughs> I guess it was, like... 
kind of like um she suffered from body dysmorphia or something <laughs> this this dog wanted to be or was convinced that she was a reindeer okay and so i think she had a pair of like reindeer horns and the plot hinged absolutely critically on the fact that um what happened i think one of santa's reindeer possibly rudolph i'm not sure basically got injured or sick or something okay and they had a like a radio interview with uh santa like like they were checking in on an athlete before the big game sort of thing <laughs> like how's your training going like you're feeling good about the big day sort of thing and it was like oh no you know bad news fun um you know blitzen or whatever is is the his ankle's swelling up real bad he's not gonna be ready guess i'll just have to count on all of the other reindeer to you know pick up the slack and carry me through and <laughs> she misheard this this dog misheard it all of the other reindeer as Olive, the other reindeer. And she was like, it's my time. <laughs> this is my moment. I'm being called. He knows about me and he is welcoming me into the fold. Yep. Um, and she, she had a, a sidekick, a buddy who was a penguin called Martini. Okay. And the, they must have been oh, hired. Oh, Olive and Martini. Great. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Olive and Martini. And basically... <laughs> I think the the film peaked at the moment when, as a result of some kind of wacky car chase, when he's been kidnapped or something, and uh, they crash the car to like save him, and he emerges from the back of the van like, Ooh, and they're like, "Martini, are you okay?" And he's like, shaken but not stirred. Oh, oh no! <laughs> yeah, you should have put this in the flim flam film. <laughs> oh god, I should, shouldn't I? It's true, but it's real. And <laughs> the bad guy. This is how it's relevant broadly. The bad guy in this film is the postman. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and why is he the bad guy? Because he wants to ruin Christmas. Grr. And why is that? Because it represents such a big workload. And he has a, uh, uh, ooh, he has a grim villain song where he explains how rubbish Christmas is for postman. He's like, um, God, I still remember bits of it. <laughs> He's like, one measly little Christmas card. Surely that can't be too hard, but multiply it a million fold, and then you'll see why Christmas turns me cold. <laughs> Send your friend a two-ton gift. I don't mind. I love to lift. Anyway, yes. So <laughs> this in the is, same way... This is turning into the Postman episode. <laughs> it is. And they presumably must hate Christmas because of all those hairy packages to carry. I, mean, I guess the problem is, who cares about Royal Mail these days? Or, you know, insert your National Postal Service here. Um, because, you know, Amazon Prime and like FedEx and UPS and DPD and all these other, you know, shipping companies have uh, come in. And I, I think they like Christmas, Andy. I think it might be part of their business model. Yeah. Well, because they're inherently evil. And uh, they, whereas the, the poor Royal Mail is uh, snowed under. They're, they're, you know, gleefully rubbing their hands together. It's true. A royal male is noble and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and honourable and the, the true original, except no substitutes. And these Machiavellian... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Twirling their moustaches, yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, anyway, the job would be harder if they were delivering slabs of rock. That's, uh, that's how we got onto this. <laughs> I think. And books would be kind of crazy. I'm picturing just ring-bound... Well, maybe that's know, what stone slabs. circles were. We can't oh. see all the inscriptions on them, but you just mm -hmm. go stand in the middle of a stone circle and work your work your. Uh, I can't speak, and you would work your way round. One rock, one chapter. Yeah, yeah. that's got a kind of poetry to it. Or maybe it was um, just like it was Braille, but like Ooh. they hadn't. 
Just real big. Yeah. <laughs> Braille for giants. Right, the, the, the actual stone. <laughs> they only got as far as like one character yeah. is the problem. <laughs> um, they failed to see the floor until they made the prototype. It just says the end. That's what Stonehenge says. <laughs> <laughs> just the. <laughs> Once upon. Yeah. Yeah, it's very compelling. I also thought um, about, speaking of kind of rocks and things and carrying them, what about if cranes hadn't been invented? So, Ooh. although uh, we're able to... Con- let's say that we're still trying to construct these massive buildings, these skyscrapers, mm-hmm. but you don't have a crane to lift your materials up there, do you still have... Uh, like, Do you have teams of people, almost Egyptian-style, just carrying every piece of, like, girder, every pane of glass, every, you know, refrigerator, up all of well, these floors? I was going to say, uh, you need help from whatever aliens constructed the pyramids. <laughs> right, yes, that's, that's right. Essentially, I think that would be the only way. Um, oh, yeah, no, you'd have to, you'd have to create a, uh, a, an incredible scaffold, basically. Maybe we'd have evolved from the giant dirt pile, which I understand is how they did the pyramids. Right. But, yeah, it would be a lot of just hoisting with pulleys, presumably. And just, yeah, just huge teams of, like, a hundred guys uh, and girls all just, just pulling on these on these things, trying to get this concrete block to the top of this building. Or just taking it in turns to stand on the counterweight. <laughs> like, they all stand <laughs> on one platform and then it lifts up the other platform with, like, the windows on it or whatever. And then, like, all right, everybody off, now you're all going to walk up the stairs. Yeah, or just, um, oh, yeah, like, we talked about transport and catapults. Just just catapult the uh, the massive lump of concrete to the top of the building, what could go wrong? Oh yeah, there we go. I, you've got a team of highly trained catchers up there, and I mean, industrial accidents happen, sure, but you know, by and large, it's a strong system. That's good. Yeah, cranes are. A, are there any? I guess the shipping industry like has big use of them because those uh, shipping containers that gets tough. Now you've got to go and unpack every one of them instead of like hauling them off the the boat and putting them on trains or whatever. Yeah, and what and what about the uh, the claw machines in arcades? What what happens to them? Oh my god, I that had not occurred to me. <laughs> That's shocking. Think of all those unwon prizes. You've got I to mean, get... not that anyone's winning them now because they don't work. You've got to get teams of tiny people to go up ramps and, and build an earth pile around the toys. <laughs> it's like a game of lemmings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really good actually. I'd play that game in an arcade way more than I would a claw machine. <laughs> Speaking of, what if we what if we didn't have boats? What if no one had ever cottoned on to the idea that you could like make a vehicle float or like sit on a log or you know canoes? What if just no boats? Huh. I guess. Hmm. What you'd have to do is you'd have to make huge rafts of people and uh, strap <laughs> engines to them. <laughs> so rich people are on the top, and everyone else is yeah, frantic because because obviously we we'd have worked out that we can swim, so we know that humans That's float. True. But let's just say everything else is is going to sink. So why even bother? So you just build, mm. uh, yeah, you build a raft <laughs> of people, and either Horrendous. you sort of have to uh, they, like people on the edges have to paddle, like they have to swim mm. with one arm, or or you just have an outboard <laughs> motor. <laughs> and everyone's job is just to lie there like Elastigirl yeah yeah but I don't think you'd make it to America um, unless you could sort of change people out for like for living ones I guess <laughs> um, so <laughs> America Australia Indonesia like any island nations Antarctica Madagascar like Britain anywhere that d- didn't have a land bridge mm. uh, to it at some point during human evolution just people would not get to well that's a, and yeah uh, well that's the point what if you just instead you almost like bridge building you just fire um ropes across you know you'd start with small bodies of water but you fire ropes mm. across and then 
you just you know you just crawl along the rope or you build a bridge there'd just be bridges everywhere and you're suggesting bridges across the pacific i mean uh, i don't know how this would work (laughs) (laughs) what what we do is we invent satellites yes and then lower a rope from the satellite like yeah you know and then just a really tall bridge (laughs) Mm. well if you invent a space elevator the problem goes away really that's true yeah, I'm try- but in the meantime, I'm trying to lot of think how it would work. I was trying to think of some sort of system where you build a um, around the entire Earth, you somehow build a freely revolving sort of other layer. If you see what I mean, like um, so that could spin independently of the Earth. But I'm thinking you would probably have to go on water at some point to build this thing. <laughs> so- Seems likely. Although I like the idea that it's like. Um... Construction in a video game where I used to have a lot of fun doing this in Roller Coaster Tycoon. God, classic game. <laughs> so you'd build your roller coaster and you could manipulate terrain as well as the height of the coaster. Mm-hmm. So you know you, you've got to crank that ramp up, and you can you can raise the terrain or you can build it on sort of pylons, um, and it will build those for you automatically. Like as the ramp goes higher, it will just build a pylon every so often. But if you say you um you you decide to go over a footpath, you know for that thrill. Um, it will it, it will skip the pylon on that segment of track so that it doesn't come straight down through your footpath or like into your concession stand or whatever. Yeah. So you can build, provided there's enough height clearance, I discovered that you could build um, flower beds and stuff and footpaths under your roller coasters. It was possible to have an entirely floating ride because it was <laughs> it has no conception of like weight or like, nope, you, you've had five sections without a pile on, you need something weight bearing at this point. That wasn't coded in. Yeah. So yeah, you could make the whole thing hover. So you just want to um, make, you just want to break beauty. the laws of physics and then we could do it. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Minecraft style, right? Because I haven't actually played Minecraft. I must remember. Have you few, not? Well, I, I know, right? I gather you can, you can punch a, cube out of a tree trunk and the rest of the tree will keep oh floating, yeah you can right? you can build you know a tower straight up and then just put blocks along for however long right. you want and you're fine no gravity no. so it, things have got to adhere adhere to like existing things mm-hmm. do they you can't like float them in the air um no they can even float in the air as long as you can get oh, okay. up there to put them there they can float in the air okay you got to be able to physically reach yeah well you know maybe we can we can figure some way of translating that um Maybe, yeah, you, you create a dome that's sufficiently sturdy and you can climb along it and put the next segment down, like building the railway track ahead of you as you go. Railway tracks, I think, would be would be heavily used mm. in a world or with no shit. Or would you just um, heavily invest in uh, subnautical vehicles and just drive, you know, just drive under the ocean? Like, hey, obviously nothing can float <laughs> on water. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah, that's dumb. It's too heavy, but we can certainly drive underneath it. I like that. So you'd be fine until you hit a trench or something. Or are you suggesting that submarines are happening? Like, we've gotten so close to the concept of a <laughs> yeah, ship. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I like that. But I also like the idea of everything just have, driving along the seabed. And you've got you've yeah. got underwater bridges. Like, oh, we've hit a trench. Oh, well, we'll build a bridge underwater. <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah, that's what you need. Yeah, that's very good. Um God, yeah, that'd be amazing. It would take forever for your package to arrive from China. <laughs> well, well, presumably we have so planes. Cool. <laughs> like, what a journey. Oh, yeah, that's the thing, I guess. Everything would just be more expensive. Yeah, you'd um, have to ship everything by plane, I guess. Or railway. Yeah, exactly. But would would um, cheaper modes of air travel 
you know, become bigger in a world without... Because it's all economically driven. Big old cargo ships are our our cheapest method of moving goods around. Uh, Planes, you know, you can't get that much weight on there. The fuel costs. So would would Zeppelins make a comeback? Would we have big old airships? I don't know how how cost-efficient an airship is. Because they are astronomically large and you are transporting quite a small cabin. That is true. But I guess it's a question of, like, how much it costs to, like, make the... uh, envelope and fill it with gas i don't know i think the the problem is that the gas escapes because it's lighter than air it escapes from the from the envelope and you just you know you have to refill constantly maybe with decent tech to uh you know maybe we could make sleeker i just want airships yeah okay (laughs) like how good would that be i want personal airships because people who live like near the coast they all tend to have like you go to greece um and I mean, even here in this bizarre country, I guess you go down to Devon or whatever, and people have got little dinghies and, you know, people putter about in their boats. Yeah. So you can't stop people wanting to own boats. But in a world where they haven't been invented, presumably, um, they'd see all the, the airships taking off from coastal regions to ship stuff. And they'd be like, I want a small one of those. Yeah. And then once they're popularized and made cheap enough, everyone's going to have them because everyone's, you know, on the coast as far as the air is concerned. <laughs> I mean, this is a slight tangent, but have you heard of Amazon's uh, idea for their floating warehouse? No. So they what like in a the sky central. So they want to build a massive airship, essentially, and all of their drones um, would just go up to the airship where the packages are, pick up a package, and take it down to you. Um, and that's that's just wow. how it would work. We are living in such an exciting time. I want that. I want. I wanted to blot out the yeah, sun. Like, like, forget about the treasure truck. Amazon is. Yeah, it's, it's two p.m. Why is it so dark? Oh, hang on. The Amazon blimp is passing the sun. <laughs> it's true. I did order something. Guess I can't complain. <laughs> I did order a, a, another smaller blimp, <laughs> which is coming in a big package. <laughs> a lot of paper around it because they ran out of the like the blimp size boxes, so they had to use the super blimp size box, and just a lot of paper. I mean, you got to kind of subscribe. It's like a blizzard of those tiny uh, air-filled plastic bags. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, those things. <laughs> oh, the drones would just be... The, the air would be thick with them. Incredible. There's, um, there's a webcomic um, called Girl Genius, and it's, um, it's, it's like the steampunk uh, gas lamp fantasy uh, webcomic par excellence, and it's set in a fictional steampunk uh alternate universe and uh europa is ruled over by all these noble houses sort of um i guess renaissance style sort of city states Mm -hmm. and uh basically it's all under the domain of like mad scientists and the armies of robots and stuff that they've um corralled and uh the most powerful like ruling house their house uh, their house their castle got demolished so they built a new one, and it's a giant freaking airship, Brilliant. like miles long, attended by a fleet of smaller airships, <laughs> and uh, and it's such a good visual, Castle Wolfenbach, and it's like you know if any town is like you know they're not paying their taxes or whatever, then you soon hear about it because just like down from the heavens it descends. This colossal... There's something about airships. They're just so much cooler than planes. I think yeah. In the future, we need to have more more blimp states. Not city-states, just, you know, (laughs) just roaming nomads or pirates that just live in these giant complexes. The the, the pirates trying to, like, assault the Amazon warehouse, right? And get away (laughs) with loot. 
So the thing is, would it be nautical law up there? Like if you are a certain height above a country, does their law system stop applying or does it extend infinitely Oh, upwards? that's a good point. If you end up in low Earth orbit, are you under the domain? Uh, presumably the space station isn't beholden to whatever laws apply in whatever country it happens to be above. No, that's true. Is it geosynchronous orbit or is it going round and round? I don't even know. Uh, the International Space Station goes round because you, you okay. can see it passing overhead sometimes. But... Ah, yeah. so the rules aren't changing. It's not like, okay, we're over one of those states where weed is legal now, so we're fine to like, <laughs> oh, no, okay, sorry, guys, put it away. <laughs> yeah, you've got like 30 seconds to do that. Presumably that isn't happening, so there has to be a point where we draw the line, and could we live up there in blimps? That's what I want to know. That was the Hypotheticals podcast. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Hypotheticals. That's Hypotheticals without the R. Follow me individually at Rain Tortoise. That's Rain like the weather phenomenon. And Tortoise like the animal. And you can follow me at Mr. Howell. That's M-R-H-O-W-L. If you've enjoyed this, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Because it really helps. And we'll see you next time. Have I lost you, Andy, or are you just being very quiet? Nope, just talking to myself. It's a one-man show now, ladies and gentlemen. Part of Andy will be played by the sock puppet. Let's see if it goes up now that I'm making a lot of noise.